Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. All right, guys, ready for some gospel? Ooh. Hey, was anybody disappointed in the Super Bowl from a little bit back? Anybody? If y'all have been spirit-led, you know who's going to win in the first. I didn't. But anyway, but I ate some good ribs on that Sunday, I'm just saying. Somebody asked me about the Super Bowl this morning, I'm thinking. I never watch sports, to be honest with you, but I enjoy acting like I watch sports, but I don't watch sports. But you guys ready for some gospel? I want to share some gospel with you. So for two weeks, we've just been talking about really just encounters and just meeting with the Lord and what that looks like and maybe even what it looks like in our home. How many of you guys have been encouraged and challenged? Self, 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 self. You know what I've heard the last two weeks? One person said, that was the gospel. Like, I haven't heard that in years. Especially coming from people that go to church all the time, right? So we, it's crazy how many people go to church, but we never hear the gospel, right? So we want to we wanna turn that here. Um, and I got a lot I want to read. My, my problem is sometimes trying to figure out a Bible verse, just one Bible verse or two Bible verses um, to read to you. I really want to read all of John chapter 4, but that's 54 Bible verses. It's more than what most of us read in a month sometimes, you know, and I really want to try to um, not do that to you today, but it's okay. We need the Bible. Um, yeah, let's look at uh, Luke chapter 5 as well. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, I want to say this too as well. Um we actually, we, we got to start, uh, enforce it in a good word, but it's the word that just comes to my mind. Um, our kids check out, uh, check off time or check in time rather um, for our room. There's going to be uh, 11 o'clock. I believe that's what, isn't that what the time is? Is that what it is? 11 o'clock. So 11 o'clock, I'm actually getting some special signs made, some big signs to put on those doors. If these doors are shit at 11, we don't take any more kids. We're usually maxed out anyway. So you have to start either you get, you have to start getting here early or get your Anytime by 11, okay? But if not, you have to bring your kids into service with you. And if you have little babies and they're crying, I mean, you can feel free to walk out in the lobby until you get them, come back down, and feel free to come back in. I don't want you to think you can't do that. That's free. Usually crying babies don't bother me anyway. It's a sign of life. Like realistically, it's a sign of life. Um, so that being said, our cutoff time, remember that is 11. So we don't want people to open that door and try to slip your kid in there. It just takes away from what's already happening in there. So I just want to remind us about that. Um, Luke chapter 5, let's look at verse 27. And uh, we're going to get ready to go here. I want just for a second, uh, let me read this first. And then after this, I got something I want to show you. We'll kill all the lights and I'll show you something. Luke chapter 5, verse 27 says this. After these things, Jesus went out. And saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. His brother was already working for the IRS. Um, And he said to him, meaning Jesus said to him, what? Follow me. So Matthew left, or Levi left all, rose up, and followed Jesus. Then Levi gave Jesus 
a great feast in his own house. Now, you know Jesus ain't going to eat with no sinful people. That's not what God does. You know, matter of fact, anyway, anyway, I'll get ahead of myself. And there were a great number of heathens, what they were, tax collectors, and others who sat down with them. I want you to notice in context, I want you to notice the people, the company of people that you got Jesus, you got Levi, who is a tax collector. They were known as publicans or just the worst of people ever. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others, friends of tax collectors, who sat down with them. And there were also some scribes and Pharisees, and they complained against his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink, which is something you only do with family and friends? You see this? Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered. Now, they didn't speak that to Jesus. They spoke that to Jesus' disciples. But when you got around a guy that can hear everything, he's going to talk. Right? Right? Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If you've never watched The Chosen, you're missing out. Like, how many people have never seen that series? By show of hands. Go home today, download the app, it's free, and watch Chosen Season 1, 2. Now they have three out, and uh, it's on Netflix now. Hey, there you go. So uh, keep keep your, um, he said, and, and Peacock. Roku, okay. Oh, was that speaking in tongues or what? Just, hey, Peacock. <laughs> Roku, <laughs> uh, keep your uh, Kleenex close because it is the, as far as things that have been made about Jesus, it is by far the best creation of anything movie-wise. It's in its own universe. It's really good. You'll see the real humanity of Christ. It's beautiful. Go watch it. Go watch it. So we've just been talking about uh, in, in encounters recently and just people that met the Lord or how God meets us and we actually spent a couple of weeks talking about what that looks like as family. I used some illustrations with um, me and my kids, and I trust they've been encouraging to you. But I just want to kind of continue down that same vein. Um, I want to read John 4, but I, I'm having a hard time picking out what to read in John 4. But John 4 is about the woman at the what? Well, right? Um, and maybe we'll get there. Maybe we won't. But I want to continue. Um, two weeks ago, we talked about how God meets what kind of people? He encounters what kind of people? Normal or ordinary people. In what kind of places? Normal or ordinary places. God will meet you. God will meet you at Walmart. Somebody, hey, it happened. That's they work at Walmart. That's what <laughs> it'll happen. Literally. Matter of fact, uh, Corey it drives for Uber. He tells me, he'll send me a message. He'll say, Hey, I met this person. This is crazy. I met this person today. Now, uh, no organ, no drums in, 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 in his car, no whiteboard, no microphone, but yet have God encounters with people on a regular basis. Why? Why, why, why? Because God meets with ordinary people in ordinary places. Watch this. And he does it all the time. All the time. Right? Remember, we do not worship to get God to come close. We worship to hone our awareness 
of the God who's always been with us. Listen. No, you didn't hear that. I said, we don't worship, get God to come close. We don't worship also to set the atmosphere for the preacher. I came out of that. I know what that's like. I want you to get it right so I can just sit, so I can come and knock a home run. I want to say, go, to, go home and go sleep. We, something 10,000 more times valuable than that. We have a God who before he's anything else, he's first a father. Before he's a creator, he's first a. Before he's a miracle worker, he's first a. Before he's a healer, he's first a. He's first a father. And out of his fatherhood, he creates. Out of his fatherhood, he heals. Out of his fatherhood, he does miracles. Before he's provider, he's first a. And out of his fatherhood, he provides. So our Abba, our Papa, our Father created a universe for us to enjoy and really for us to have dominion over it. When your children were born, did they have to go create the bedroom for themselves to sleep in? Did they have to put the bed together that they were going to sleep in? Did they have to paint the walls to the room that they were going to sleep in? Cameron, y'all have a little one on the way. You painted that room, right? Right? You, you, you did, what do you call that, accent wall, which you did a great job on it? Who put that crib together? Did, did she do most of it, be honest? She said, he said, yeah, yeah, pastor, she did. She, put, she did most of it. So, so, but your baby didn't have to do it, right? So as a loving father or parent, you did this for your child that you know was on the way. If we do that as earthly or human parents who are not perfect in love, how much more so does our heavenly father do for his children? And you did that knowing that one day you are going to have moments of, I like what Matt said, intentional moments, watch this, of encounter with that child all the days of their life. So God loves to meet with his kids. I had a conversation this morning before, before service started with Aaron, who's leading today in Way Kids. And we were just talking about this very thing. And I said, man, you know, I know what it's like to grow up in a church where, or a church environment, which gave me a church paradigm or a way of seeing things where God was only moving if, you know, KJ was walking, man, and a, he, he met an angel at a tree. And we would say, that was God, right? Or, you know, whatever. You get so overwhelmed by something, you can't walk. And we used to call it old school church. You don't hear this a lot, not this terminology. And we would say things like, man, that person got slain in the spirit. Now, ain't no other genre on the planet where slain is a good word. But you got slain in the spirit. Think about if we would say this stuff on the street. Man, the Holy Ghost came in our meeting today. 47 people got slain in the spirit. They start speaking in other languages. People on the street like, man, I thought I was in a, y'all, yeah. But we would say that was an encounter with God. But Aaron and I got to talking. I said, man, you know what it's like, though? We don't talk about this. Like when you get a chance to be kind to someone, which is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. When you get a chance to be patient with someone, gentle with someone. When you get to show self-control, which the Bible calls a fruit of the Spirit also, you actually show them God. 
that's a God encounter. It doesn't have to blow your mind to be God. It doesn't have to slay you to be God. It's God. It's God. Here's what I want to talk about today. Let's look at this specific time where a younger man met the Lord. I want you to see this now. This is true really almost to most of the scripture that God, or in this case, Jesus, who was God, encounters his own children. It may have been unplanned on the human part, but it is never unplanned on the God part. You see that? Encounters may be unplanned on our part. Like, in other words, we didn't have it on our calendars on this day. Nobody said with the movement of God that's happened in Asbury that on this day, at this moment, God is going to show up. It didn't happen like that, right? Matthew, uh, I keep saying Matthew, which was his name, but they called him Levi here. Matthew or Levi is sitting at his tax collector's booth doing what he does. Take more money from Jewish people than what he actually should have been taking, right? But who comes walking by? What does Jesus ask him to do? He knew when he heard that, you were telling me that I need to leave everything behind and go and follow you? Yes. Now watch this. Were they having church at the moment? Were they even in a synagogue? Was Jesus walking around reading the scrolls? Actually, no. Watch this. Because he was the word of God. He said, the psalmist says of Christ, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, for it is written of me. And Levi is fixing to get ready to encounter the word of God. And so remember this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God always comes to where we are. That is good news. No, that is really good news. Maybe we were raised in a religious environment that said things like this. When you get your life straight, you need to come to Jesus. I'm telling you, before you get your life straight, come to Jesus. I'm telling you why you still smoke, come to Jesus. I'm telling you why you still sleep around, come to Jesus. Why you still watch garbage, come to Jesus. Why you still gossip, come to Jesus. If we could get our life straight prior to coming to Jesus, what need would there be of Jesus? I'm telling you, I couldn't stop pornography without Jesus. I tried. And I started before we had smartphones. No, 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 no. When it was harder to access. And I couldn't then, much less after I got a device in my hand. If we could get our lives straight without God, what use would there be for God for us? One of the beautiful things about knowing Jesus is this. Is God always, by way of the Son through Holy Spirit, comes to where we are. He will invade every bad place, every place of shame, every place of regret, every place of mistakes. He said, I will come right to that place and I will meet with you there. So yes, he will meet with you at your tax collector's booth. That was not a place of high honor for Matthew. He made good money there, but every day when hundreds of Jews would walk by him, they would give him the Christian's thank God. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. And he hated the fact, knowing that he was a Jew working for Rome, stealing money from his own people, but because it benefited him, he did it, and no Jewish person wanted anything to do with him. 
But he was fixing to have a meeting with God himself in the flesh via the incarnation, who is the Christ. And he found out that God doesn't wait for you to climb out of your hole. Neither does God, watch this, throw a rope in the hole and say, when you climb out, I'm going to meet with you. But God, by way of the incarnation, says, I'll step down to where you are in your situation. And I will become like you. The scripture says, Jesus became like us in all ways, yet without sin. <laughs> he says, I will become just like you. In other words, I am going to take on your human flesh and all of its emotions and all of its appetites and all of its desires. I know what it's like to, to walk to the bedroom and stump my toe on a table at night and want to, you know, speak in tongues. You know, the real, I saw, I saw a video yesterday. Um, of a lady. I think it's brand new. I mean, it's my first time ever seeing it. It's of a lady. And it says, you know those people that are too holy? And that's what she did. She stumped her toe. And she was like, son of God, we thank you. You know, but she it had like five of these things. Like we think that's what Jesus did, but Jesus wasn't like that. He became like us in every way. Jesus, can you imagine if Jesus gave you a piece of his mind? He, he could say, I know every, he could say, I know every secret sin you had, every thought you had that you would be embarrassed about if I told it, and I'm fixing to tell it. Like you didn't want to get in an argument with Jesus, but he didn't do that. God doesn't throw a rope in the hole and say, when you come out, I'll meet with you. He says, let me, by way of the incarnation, get into your life right where you are. Matthew or Levi, I am going to join myself to you. And God goes to where he is. Notice that Jesus went to where the disciples were when he called them. Notice he met the woman at the well by going to the well. Matter of fact, before she arrived, he said, I'm going to stay here and wait on her. So these things about meeting people, he does call ordinary people at ordinary places at all times. But you usually see him going to where they are. He goes to where they are a hundred percent of the time. See, in America, we invite people to church. And that's great. But you know what? <laughs> you know what the Bible says? Go ye into the highways and the Jesus always went to where people were. Now, when his fame began to spread abroad, people would go and meet him, but they only met him at a place that he already was there to meet with somebody else. You see that? So what's the beautiful thing about the gospel is we see God always going to places to meet people, and God never let the reputation of the place keep him from meeting the people there. He never said, I ain't going to meet you there. I mean, I believe God loves us so much, he'd meet you at Popeye if he had to. Like, I mean, if he had to, he would meet you even there. So it doesn't matter how bad it is, he'll meet you. It doesn't matter how dark it is, he'll meet you. It doesn't matter how many mistakes are there, he'll meet you. It doesn't matter how messy of a place it is, he'll meet you. This is why the incarnation is important. Could it, it is God becoming flesh as one of us, and literally God in a human body met all humanity. God met Moses at a burning bush. Was he there before Moses got there? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Of course he was. Of course he was. 
You look at the woman at the well, John 4. I don't want to turn there because there's so much good stuff in there. He meets this lady at a well. She is known as the town streetwalker or prostitute. Right? She would have been a harlot of her day. Jesus gets to a well specifically, and the Bible said it wouldn't have been the easiest way to go to where he was going, but he chose to go through the city of Sychar because he knew that well was there and that that woman would be going at that specific time of the day to get a drink of water, and he chooses to stay there and meet with her. I want to say this. You don't have to go out of your way to meet with God because God went out of his way to meet with you. I'm going to say that again. I didn't have to go out of my way to meet with God because God went out of his way to meet with me. I don't know how far it is, the distance, even though they are connected between what we would call the heavens and the earth, but I can tell you one thing. Great is the mystery of godliness that God chose to put on flesh and make that distance between the heavens and the earth and do life here with us. Talk about going out of your way. No, you talk about you talking about the distance between eternity and time. Between the invisible and the visible. God said, I'll make that journey for you to go and meet with you by way of my son. That is the gospel, friend. When you open your Bible up from the left and start reading the first book of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, perfection, beauty. Verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. That is a mess. But then you see the Spirit of God coming. So from the start of your Bible, you see God being attracted to brokenness. Well, I was taught I need to hide my brokenness. But yet God, the first page of the Bible, he's attracted to brokenness. How would you know he was a healer if you weren't broke? Like legitimately. How, how would you know what he could do in any area if you didn't have a lack of that in your own life? He says, see, I'm attracted to brokenness. I'm attracted to darkness. I'm attracted to barrenness. Why? Because I haven't never seen a dark place that I couldn't bring light to. I haven't never seen a broke place that I couldn't heal. I haven't never seen anything barren that I couldn't make fertile. And God said, let there be light. Our God always comes to us. It would be a wicked parent to hear their child crying, fallen, hurt or in a place where their life is at danger and they knowing that and still chose not to go to where they were but our God said this I'm going to cross the chasm of eternity step in the time while completely always remaining spirit I'm going to choose to wear flesh that's incarnation because I am coming to where you are and there's nothing that you can do about it and regardless of what we were talked about ugh, church here by church here in the west I'm not going to let sin separate me from you I'm not going to let time separate me from you. And I'm not going to let your flesh separate me from you. And I love this. I'm not even going to let death, go ahead, Paul, separate me from you. And regardless of what we've been taught here in the West, I'm not even going to let hell separate me from you. Because even if you make your bed there, there he is too. God always comes to where we are and he doesn't let the place that he finds us in keep us from him. He never says, climb out of the hole yourself. He says, I'm getting in the hole with you. Hebrew boys, if you make it out of the fiery furnace, I'll join you and be your rescue. No, I'll get in the fiery furnace with you. Hebrews, if you make it out of Egypt yourself, I'll be your God and savior. No, I'll come to where you are and I'll bring you out myself. 
If you can make it across the Jordan, I'll make those Jericho walls fall. No, how about this? I'll split the Red Sea, let you go across the Red Sea. I'll usher you through the Jordan. I'll walk around the walls with you and make them fall and tell you the city's yours before you ever step one foot in it. This is how God works. He comes to us. He goes before us. He's also behind us. He does it all, and yet he makes it look like we did it. Is that not what parents do for their kids most of the time? I remember one time Honor came to me. We was really learning to open stuff. Couldn't open it. And I opened his Powerade for me. Like, I can't do it. I was like, man, let me see it. What am I doing? I'm opening it. I was like, man, try it again. I mean, he's really young. He tries like, he's like, ah. you didn't do nothing. You didn't do nothing. I did it all. But I made it look like he did it. Right? At what well has he met you at? What desert? He loves to meet people in the deserts. What desert has he met you at? You ready for this? What park has he met you at? What condition were you in when he met you? This, this, this guy called Levi or Matthew, which by the way, Levi literally means joined. He was joined to all the wrong things until he comes to Jesus. Jesus, knowing his life story, didn't say, Levi, when you get it right, I'm going to call you to follow me now. Mm -mm. Jesus says, come follow me. Levi made a choice to leave everything immediately and go follow Jesus. I love this. Then Levi, verse 29 of Luke 5, Levi gave Jesus a great feast in his own house. And there was a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with him. So point one, God always comes to where we are. Regardless of how bad that place is, it doesn't matter. God always comes to us. Number two, we're almost done already. Number two, those people that have encounters with Christ or those intentional moments or those intentional meeting places, whether you planned it or not, it was always God's idea. The people that have those encounters, watch this. You have one, you get to become one. No, 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 no. You get to become what it is that God gives you. That is so huge to me. Matthew doesn't know anything. All he just knows is I'm fixing to throw a party or a feast for Jesus. One, he's got the money. If Jesus came to your house, he always had at least 12 men. Like, he always rolled deep, like real, real tall. So you got to feed a lot of people. But Matthew says, you know what? What the heck, man? I'm going to invite all my other tax collector buddies, right? Everybody that's in business with me, and I'm going to let them bring their friends. Not knowing that his one encounter that came to him was fixing the lead to a massive encounter for his community. And this is so simple. It takes church to complicate it. He is hosting the raw presence of God at his house with a meal and inviting other people to come. And they think they're just sitting down with a Nazarite or Nazarene. And he was a Nazarene, but they're sitting down with God. And what kind of conversation do you think they're having? And they're having a blast enjoying the goodness of God. And so far from my reading, I haven't read what Jesus gave one altar call yet. Matter of fact, you don't read altar calls in the Bible. Anyway, I'm just keep right on going, keep messing with people. But anyway, so, so 
They're having a good time enjoying the presence of God because Jesus was God. And there's some other folks there too. Who are they? Pharisees and scribes. <laughs> the religious scribes were people that recorded everything. Pharisees would have been like the religious preachers of their day. They really kind of ran the show primarily. The scribes were hanging out with the Pharisees. They so wanted to entrap Jesus. I think we got him now because he's sitting down eating with a sinner, a tax collector at that, who's a Jewish man. We got him. Let's go listen to what he's talking about. They're hanging out with him. And instead of coming to Jesus, they go to the disciple and they say, Psst, you guys think y'all all holy, don't you? If this man was really this holy man, I mean, come on. He'd be, watch this. What they really wanted to say was this. He should be eating at our house. Come on, let's call it, let's call it like you said. He should be eating with us. If he wants to talk about the scriptures and about the kingdom, when nobody knows it like we do, and they had knowledge of the scriptures. But you know what Paul said knowledge does? First Corinthians 13, he said knowledge puffs up. So the Pharisees and scribes had big heads and small hearts. Because they thought that it was by way of academia that you get into the kingdom. And I'm telling you, that'll make you miss it almost 100% of the time. Do you know that Jesus went on to tell the disciples? He said, I have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. I have hidden these things from the know-it-alls. And he said, yet I revealed it unto babes. Jason, that means he took the beautiful concept of the kingdom of God. And he said, the people that think they know it the best, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, they always miss it 100% of the time. They miss every encounter. They miss every intentional moment I have for them. But yet children knew who Jesus was so much so that they would run and say, will you let us sit on your lap? Come on, lepers would press their way through crowds, risking their life they could be stoned to get close to who he was, and they didn't have a scroll to their name. Prostitutes themselves would go on to know who he was. Blind people who couldn't see physically yet had enough inclination by way of the Holy Ghost to say, I know who you are, son of David. They saw who he was too. But yet the wise and the prudent missed it 100% of the time. I hid it from the know-it-alls, but yet I reveal it unto babes. They really wanted to say, why don't you come to our house? And Jesus stands up. Come on, Pastor Ken, I saw you back there. Would you come to the keys for me? Jesus stands up and he says this, listen. You want to know why I eat with sinners, meaning people that have missed the mark and tax collectors? You want to know why I do that? Because those who are well or whole don't need a physician. But the sick ones do. In other words, sin is indeed sickening to what it does to you spiritually. You won't have nothing to do with them even though you know the scriptures, which proves to me you are sick too. Listen, No, listen. Because as long as you are using the scriptures to divide people from me and not lead them to me, even though your name means separated ones, you yourself are separated and you don't even know it. Those who are whole, they don't need a physician, but the sick do. And here is Jesus teaching on love to these people who didn't even have a clue that they even needed it. And then Jesus says this, didn't you know it? I did not come to call the righteous because they've seen it. But I came to call those who are missing the mark 
to, re- to repentance, to metanoia. I come to take those that we call sinners. We call them sinners because of their activity, how they live. In other words, we call them sinners because of their behavior. Wrong, wrong. Nobody is a sinner because they sinned. Wrong. Nobody is a sinner because they sinned. That's wrong. We don't disciple people by teaching them how to behave. We disciple people by teaching them how to believe. And if we can get the belief right, the behavior will literally amend itself. In church for 200 and some years in this country, we've always tried to address the behavior of people. You don't see Jesus sitting down first addressing the behavior. I bet you when they were eating fish with him and eating bread with him, something in their intellect was shifting. What they thought to be true about God was shifting by way of their communing with him over a meal. And we got to learn that we're not sinners because of how we behaved. Really, we want to be truthful? We were sinners because of how we believed, because our belief system was wrong. We missed it. I'm telling you, he always goes to meet with people. This woman by the name of St. Fotini, she's known as the woman at the well. Let me tell you what the church fathers wrote about her. This is going to be long and I'm done. You guys okay? Let me read something to you. This is what history says about St. Fotini. This lady, when I read this for the first time, it blessed me. She's known as the woman of the well, at the well. We know her that. But the early church called her Saint Fotini, meaning the enlightened one. Will it it rotate that way? Thank you. Here we go. Saint Fotini lived in the first century Palestine. She was a Samaritan woman who Christ visited at the well, asking her for water. It was she who accepted the living water offered by Christ himself at the repenting. What repent doesn't mean, I'm sorry. It's not, repent means what? Change the way you believe. So when Jesus says repent for the kingdom's at hand, he's not saying say you're sorry. He's saying change how you think because the kingdom's here. And you can't get into it thinking the old way. Now watch this. She went and told her townspeople that she had met the Christ. Remember that story? They all come to the well. For this, she is sometimes recognized as a first to proclaim the gospel of Christ. Never heard that, had you? She went on to convert her five sisters, St. Anatoly, Photo, Photis, Periskivi, and K-Y-R-I-A-K-E, whatever that name is. Her five sisters, she converted to Christ. And her two sons, Victor and Joses. They all became tireless evangelists for Christ. The apostles of Christ baptized her and gave her the name Saint Fotini, which means the enlightened one. She is remembered by the church as the whole martyr, and she's equal to the apostles. After Saint Peter and Paul were martyred, Saint Fotini and her family left their homeland of Sychar and Samaria to travel to Carthage to proclaim the gospel of Christ there. And it was during the reign of Emperor Nero in the first century, who was excessively cruel to those who were Christians, that Saint Fotini chose to live in Carthage with her younger son, Joses. Her eldest son, Victor, fought bravely in the Roman army against the barbarians and was appointed military leader of the commander in the city of Italia, which is Asia Minor. Later, Nero called him to Italy to arrest him and to punish those that followed him. Sebastian, an officer in Italy, named her son Victor, 
so said to her son Victor, I know that you, your mother, and your brothers are followers of Christ. As a friend, I advise you to submit to the will of the emperor. If you inform on any Christians and tell us where they are, we'll give you great wealth. I shall write to your mother and your brother asking them not to preach Christ in public. Let your faith be kept secret. See what the enemy says? You can live for Jesus. Just don't take it public. Do you know this? The enemy doesn't care what you believe about God as long as you don't believe it now and as long as you don't believe it publicly. He doesn't care what you believe about Christ as long as you don't believe it now and as long as you don't believe it publicly. Yet Victor replied, I want to be a preacher of Christ like my mother and my brother. Sebastian said, oh, Victor, we all know what awaits you, your mother and your brother. Then Sebastian suddenly felt a sharp pain in his eyes. He was dumbfounded and he was found somber. This is the guy trying to tell St. Fotini, the woman at the well, son, not to believe in Christ. A sharp pain in his eyes. He never overcame that. For three days, Sebastian lay there blind without uttering a word. And on the fourth day, he declared the God of the Christians is the only true God. St. Victor asked why Sebastian had suddenly changed his mind. And Sebastian replied, because Christ is calling me. Soon, Victor was baptized, uh, Sebastian was baptized and immediately regained his sight. And St. Sebastian's servants, after witnessing the miracle, they were also baptized. Hold on. Reports of this reached Nero, and he commanded that the Christians be brought to him at Rome. The Lord himself appeared to the confessors and said, Fear not, for I am with you, Nero, and all who serve him will be vanquished. The Lord said to Victor, From this day forward, your name will be St. Photinus, because through you many will be enlightened and will believe in me. And the Lord told the Christians to be strong that were in that area. Now let me tell you real quick, we're over, and I'm killing the people in the back with the kids. Nero gave orders finally to crucify all the saints, to beat their naked bodies with straps. On the fourth day, the emperor sent servants to see whether the martyrs were still alive. Approaching the place of all these tortures, the servants fell blind. And the angel of the Lord freed all the martyrs from their crosses and healed them. This is historical facts, folks. The saints took pity on the blinded servants and restored their sight by the prayers to the Lord. The people they were beating felt bad for the ones beating them that had got smitten with blindness and laid hands on them and they regained their sight. I ain't saying nothing. Those who were healed came to believe in Christ and were baptized. I say, duh. Their leader was St. Fortini. In a rage, Nero gave orders to flay the skin from St. Fortini and to throw her down a well. Now, he didn't know how she met Christ. And he didn't know where she met Christ. Well, I mean, I just keep on going. Sebastian, Fotinus, and Josephus had their legs cut off and they were thrown to dogs and then they had their skin flayed off. The sisters of St. Fotini also suffered terrible torments. Nero gave orders to cut off their breasts and to flay their skin. An expert in cruelty, the emperor readied the fiercest execution for St. Fotis. They tied her by the feet to the tops of two bent over trees. When the ropes were cut, the trees sprang upright. In other words, they tied trees down, held them down with ropes, tied one leg to this tree and one leg to that tree. And they said, cut the ropes! Zoom! The tree sprang up and tore the martyrs apart. The emperor ordered the others to be beheaded. St. Fortini was left and locked up in that well for 20 days. Finally, he brought her out and brought her to himself and said, why don't you quit sacrifice, quit, quit worshiping your God and offer sacrifice to my idols. St. Fortini spat in his face and laughing at him and said, oh, most impious of the blind. 
You profligate and you stupid man. Do you think me so deluded that I will consent to renounce my Lord Christ and instead offer sacrifices to you as blindly as you offer to them? He threw her in a well trying to kill her, not knowing I met my groom at a well. That well was like a hotel to her. Are you kidding me? She finally surrendered her soul to God at the age of 66. She wrote something, though. Oh, almighty Savior, who did pour forth water from the Hebrews from a solid rock, you did come to the land of Samaria, and you addressed a woman whom you did attract to faith in you. She has now attained life in the heavens everlastingly. She had an encounter, and her life became an encounter. So that all those in Carthage went on to meet the Lord. I don't know where you work. I don't know what community you live in. I don't know your family or your friends. I don't know where you take vacations. I'm just saying this. If you see this right, because you've had an encounter and God's spirit lives in you and you're waking to that truth. Everywhere you go is a potential encounter. I don't care if you're an Uber driver or you work at Walmart or you pastor a church or you work at Dell, or you're a teacher in the school system, or maybe you're an entrepreneur, you get to take the encounter that was given to you, and you get to give it to everybody else. Go ahead and stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet with me. I want to send you out of this place today, and I want to encourage you. Go give away the encounter that was given to you. You don't have to try to do this. Just be intentional. What might have come as an accident for you can now be intentional for every person that you meet because I meet them with one thing in mind. I want to show them your heartbeat, Lord. I want to show them your heartbeat. Father, I bless you today. Thank you for your kindness and your goodness. May the glorious power of the gospel infiltrate every part of our being and the places where we find ourselves at in life. Show us how to have these intentional moments with those that need it the most. In Jesus' name, Ken, if you'll keep playing, I want to do one thing. If you're in this room today, and you say, you know what? I'm loving what I see here and what I'm feeling here. And you've never said, I want this to be my home. Cameron, would you just come stand up here? I want to give you an opportunity to commit and connect yourself to what God's doing right here at Way Family Church. If that is you and you want to be a part of this family, I just want to count to three. I just want you to lift up your hands. If that's anybody at all. One, two, three. Is that anybody in this room? I see those hands. Here's what I want you to do. Leave your seat and come stand up here. Come on, Way family, as the family gets large. No, I said, come on, Way family. I said, come on, Way family. I said, come on, Way family. Come on, as the family gets larger, as the family gets larger, as the family gets larger. Hey, one more time, we're going to rejoice over these, and I want to release you guys to go. The Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, and through Christ, he's made his face shine upon you. God bless you. Have an amazing week. One more time, let's rejoice as the family gets Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign way family church or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab for more information about way family church you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com be blessed